0: what is a uh, uh, well i am i am the senior person here um by by rank not by age come on give me a break um yeah welcome it's good um yeah if this is your first experience of 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 paradox um it'll all make sense to you eventually ah <laughs> uh, that's just what we do uh, being just the, the people of God, listening to the Spirit of God and obeying uh, what He's saying and what He's doing. And um, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is, uh, is the idea of Lordship and obedience. Woohoo! Yeah! What happened to that? I was hoping you'd come along and have that sermon on how can I be rich and prosperous. And, um, yep, when I figure it out I'll let you know. Um, no, we are all very blessed. Um, so we've been, uh, in a season It started, uh, kind of, I guess a couple of months ago, but a real, uh, um, Rachel brought a word, um, on, uh, the fear of the Lord. Um, and part of that is, is understanding the Lordship of Christ and, and respecting and honoring Him as Lord, um and not just kind of as our buddy and our friend, which he is our friend. He is a friend of ours, but uh, understanding all of and upholding all of the attributes of God is so incredibly important that we don't just view him as one aspect of who he is because he is many things, but all at the same time. Uh, He is not um, kind of, he's not schizophrenic in some way where he's got these multiple personalities. He is always God uh, and he reveals, and it's important that we see him always as He is. Um, but we feel like we're in another season of preparation as a, as a church community, and, and we take those times really seriously when God's like, hey, I'm just... there's some things we just need to tidy up that were maybe okay in the last season, um, but they're not going to be okay coming into the next season. Uh, and again, sometimes you don't always know, well, what is the next season, Lord? Um, because sometimes we determine whether or not we want to obey or be disciplined based upon the reward. Uh, I am reminded of the time, I think I shared this before, I was driving in the car, I had Noah in the back seat, he was much younger, uh, but he was doing something, I think, yeah, he was doing something that he shouldn't have been doing, and, uh, and so I said to him, I said, Noah, if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to have to give you a consequence. And uh, And he said, well, what will the consequence be? <laughs> <laughs> and so... It was essentially a determination of, well, I'll determine whether or not I obey based upon what the punishment will be. And so I said to him, I said, well, how about instead of obeying your father uh, out of a fear of punishment, that you obey me because you love me and you honor me. And uh, say, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Because I always come up with that sort of wisdom in those circumstances. (laughs) Uh, You know, we want to... Be prepared for what god is doing and to take seriously uh, what he's calling us to Uh, but i think as well um, we want to be a people that can sustain what god is doing and not just receive it or participate as a spectator in what he's doing Uh, and i think about this you know uh, historically even revivals or great outpourings of god um, have been momentary uh, and i do wonder whether in some of that is that people It's like standing out in the rain and just being like, oh, it's raining and dancing in the rain and drinking in the rain and enjoying the rain. And yet when the rain goes, you're left with nothing because you didn't actually capture any of the rain and hold any of the rain and sustain any of the rain. Um, It just kind of came and went. And so, and God does that. He sovereignly moves in a way. But I think when he is preparing you, he's saying, I'm going to do something. So prepare yourself. Then we have a great responsibility to say, well, that's the vessel that I'm responsible for you know, the wine skin is my responsibility partnered absolutely with the spirit of god and his the wine is his responsibility uh, but what we don't want is for the wine to come and we can just dance around in the wine and then all of a sudden there's no wine left because we haven't stewarded as well because we love him you know we don't want to we can get caught up sometimes i just want to see god do great things and we're so excited about what he's doing but not recognizing how precious it is that he would come and show himself to a people and make himself known in that way. There's such a deep place of intimacy, and it is uh, one thing that um, kind of uh, frustrates me mildly uh, in the kind of world of social media that we're in is seeing people uh, talk about experiences and encounters with God, and I understand this good, like we want to encourage people, like God's doing good things, but sometimes it feels like we're taking a really precious, intimate moment with the Lord, and then people are kind of using it for their own kind of social media gain in some sense, and uh, I, I I call it like it 's the commodification of God or the commodification of his glory where we where we take this glorious outpouring and we use it almost like as a commodity to advance our own means in some way and uh, I'm not sure that's not always the case but for me it's it's that sense of like wow when he's doing something so amazing that he would show up like the creator of the universe would show up in your midst and make himself and reveal himself in some way to you it's like that is phenomenal and how precious that wow father you would do that for us Uh, and so not then to turn it into something but to really treasure and uphold that but anyway that's nothing to do with really what I'm uh wanted to talk about um you know as we journey and this is something that i feel like god has been talking to me uh this last week about um when we're faithful to god and that's really something i think it's been a a a thing that we've really held on to for many many years It's our job is to be faithful and his job is to be fruitful um so even as we you know look around the room this a room filled with people and and for for many 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 years um it was a room full of people, just the room was very, very small. Um, uh, and again, we, we're, not, we're not about that, but you feel like, man, God's he's just depositing so much gold in, in us, and we want everyone to, to know about how great He is and what He's doing, um, but we've just held on to faithfulness. But there is a fruit that comes from faithfulness, so faithfulness leads to fruitfulness, God produces that. But it, I think it's, there's a danger that we then um, dwell in the fruitfulness... But to such a degree that we lose our faithfulness um, that actually the blessing of fruitfulness becomes something that actually causes us to be unfaithful um, I, you know i think about in in any sort of relationship you know there's always the pursual dynamic you know with a with a with husband and wife before you get to that place there's that time of of pursual and engagement and there's lots of effort that goes into the pursual. Um, and then once that destination, once the fruit of that pursuit is reached, it kind of can then, you know, the honeymoon is over, we just kind of settle into normality. Uh, and, I, and I just, I think it's important that we recognize we can do that sometimes with God, that we go, oh, wow, we're, we're actually participating like we saw this in the future and and we're and we're entering into some of that and then we start to just enjoy it to a degree that we almost become passive in our hearing and our obeying to what the Lord is is saying and calling us to uh that we go yeah like we just we just let Holy Spirit do whatever he wants and so what I do is then I passively say Holy Spirit do whatever you want but then I don't hear and obey what he's actually wanting to do so I said, I'm i so free that, I, that I'm not constrained by having to perform and do all of these sorts of things, but I'm not free enough that when he speaks that I hear and I obey. And so that's what I wanted to talk to you about this morning, to understand that uh, lordship requires obedience. That we can say that Jesus is Lord, but if I'm not responding to that lordship by obeying what the Lord is saying, then I'm not truly under his lordship. I can acknowledge Him and say, well, you are this thing, but that requires a response from me. It requires a positioning in my life. It requires action and involvement and engagement because God is not passively Lord. And the reality is He is Lord over all things. All authority has been given to Jesus. He, God is God, whether we like it or not, whether we believe in God or not, is kind of irrelevant, really. He either is or He isn't. Uh, and we obviously believe that He is Lord. Hopefully, you're here because you believe that? Um, If not, we'd we'd, we'd like to introduce you to him. Um, But his lordship is active and not passive. He doesn't just sit on the throne, He, he operates from that place of lordship. He's not off in the distance, far away, he leads his people from within, not from afar. The Holy Spirit is given to you to lead you into all truth, into righteousness, into fullness, into the bringing about of His kingdom. God is always speaking and leading His children. He is always talking. He's always talking. We're not always listening, which means then we're not always hearing, which means we're not able to obey. So hearing and obeying, and I think sometimes even we can get to this place that, like, well, I'm starting to hear now, but we miss out on that, of the fact that we're actually supposed to then obey what He's got to say to us. Um, if you're maybe sitting here this morning and you're going, you know, I just don't hear from God. Uh, I just want to let you know, that's a really serious thing. That's a, like, that's a, that's a really serious issue. Because his sheep hear his voice. And this is not a condemnation. This is an encouragement. It's like, it's it, that's big enough that you need to r- really set apart some time to to learn how to hear his voice. Because you can't obey if you don't hear. So again, I know, and we're all different. We're all in different places on our journey. But I'm just saying, like, if that's something, like, oh, I, just don't, I just don't really hear from God. Or, I've heard it shared sometimes, almost like as a bit of a, oh, you know, I just... I'm just not prophetic like those people. It's, it's, you're a child of God. You're a, you're a child, and he's a really good dad, and he loves to talk to his children, and he is speaking to you. But I think if we say, well, I don't hear from God, and then the next question would be, well, how much time do you spend listening? <sighs> oh, well, I guess no time. Well, that could be part of the, the reason why you're not kind of hearing. Um, But I just want to say, if that's if that's you, it's okay. God's not uh, upset about it. He'll be concerned because you're not hearing His voice. But it's something that we really need to take seriously. Is that okay? All right. That was the um, hopefully that was a gentle way of sharing something really important. Um, So, and I'm just uh, speaking. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Yeah, is that okay? All right. So you're hearing and obeying Matthew chapter seven verse twenty four. if you have your Bible, does anyone have a Bible here? I think there's like two, three Bibles. four up oh, phone five, five. well done, six. yeah. It is an interesting cultural reality that we live in that um, even you know taking your Bible with you is kind of not a normal thing. I think we need to. Uh, renew that culture, maybe. True, yes, yes, because that would then alleviate the responsibility of people bringing them with them because we'll just <laughs> provide them for you. And uh, you can have a Bible and then a bottle of milk and a blankie. <laughs> In my Bible, it's entitled Build Your House on the Rock. Verse 24. This is... Jesus speaking. Yes, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now I'm sure we've all heard uh, this passage of scripture before. But again, Jesus is not saying all those who hear this will, will be wise, but all who hear and actually obey what I'm saying, they're the wise people. But all who hear and disobey... They're foolish people. So what's really important is that not just when we hear, but even when we set apart time to hear, that we understand that the outcome of listening is obedience. Not just hearing like, oh, God spoke to me today. Oh, so amazing. It's like, so, but what are you going to do with that? Because that will prove the Lordship of Christ in your life. And I think too often we can, we, like, we are so uh, incredibly blessed with the amount of access to teaching, your podcasts, YouTube videos, all of this stuff, you know, Sunday teachings. You can go to Bible college, you can do all of these things to get so much information about God. And yet, are we actually living out all of that reality of what we're hearing? Because according to Jesus in this passage, there's a danger that you can actually read your Bible. You can sit down you could sit down for half an hour and read your bible and walk away more foolish than when you started because you're reading and you're seeing god he's he's maybe revealing a command from the scriptures that is for you to live out or he's speaking to you in the midst of what you're reading if you're not coming away from that time and actually walking into that reality and putting it into practice in your life you're you're actually more foolish we think that we are so like i mean we are blessed to have the scriptures like in our phone wherever we go we have access to it but the goal is not just to read it and learn it you can know it back to front like the pharisees did they they weren't short on their knowledge of the scriptures i guarantee they knew far more of the old testament scriptures than you did than you probably ever will and yet their problem is that they, don't act, they didn't actually do what they were called to be doing. They didn't see Christ in the midst of that. Is that okay? I'm not trying to suck the air out of the room. but uh... It says in verse 28, and it says, And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So you understand as well that the authority of Christ, the lordship of Christ, is that when he speaks, there's an expectation on the speaking that you respond to the speaking. It's like contained within the word of God is expectation that we obey. And I'm not talking about unhealthy expectation. I'm talking about from God's perspective. It's like if I talk to you, I'm expecting you're going to take that and go and do what I said. Otherwise, what's the point in me talking to you i remember uh it was bill johnson in a sermon and he, he talked about you know if you're not hearing from god go back to the last thing that he said obey that and then maybe he'll give you another thing he'll start talking to you about the next thing well, i'm not going to keep going on and on about this same thing i've told you Here's what I have for you to obey. If you actually go and do that, cool, then we'll have the next thing. Now, again, we don't want to just view God as this kind of taskmaster of you just come to him. What's my job? Here you go. Go and do that thing. Like he, he talks in ways that aren't just commands that require obedience as well. He can speak his love to you and his goodness and your identity and all of those sorts of things. But again, even in that, even in God declaring who you are, you can have an encounter with the Father and he speaks who you are. There is still a response in that to believe belief is an act of obedience holding on to that by faith a promise that's obedience and this little passage of scripture so Matthew 7 comes at the end of the sermon on the mount so as it says in verse 28 when he had finished saying these things well what are these things well this is the long it's a couple of chapters of the book of Matthew starting at the Beatitudes, so blessed the poor in spirit all of that section and he goes on, he's saying, now if you obey these things, you'll be a wise builder. Now he's talking, this one little passage of scripture, but there is so much contained in it. Here are some of the topics that Jesus covered on the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously the Beatitudes, or so all the blessed are the dot, dot, dots. Uh, about being salt and light. It's not losing your saltiness and not, uh, being, not covering up the light of God in your life. How Christ came to fulfill the law. He talks about anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, uh, how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, fasting, laying up treasures in heaven, about not being anxious, about not judging others, about the principle of asking and it'll be given to you, the golden rule, so treat others as you'd want to be treated, uh, the tree and its fruits are bearing good fruit by being a healthy tree. Uh, and then he talks about at the end that, you know, the whole obedience and knowing God in that kind of way. So he, he's not just saying, oh, if you," follow, he's like actually saying that these things in particular, I'm not sure if you've ever read that passage of scripture and gone that's actually for me to do to live in that way they're not just kind of there as nice principles and i have heard of the sermon of the mount being spoken of in a way uh okay i'll backtrack so the law in the old testament uh paul talks about in galatians the law was a guardian for the people almost to keep them in bondage so that they would recognize their need for a savior that's, the, that's one of the reasons why God gave the law. It's like, this, the law is not enough for you. You need a Savior, but the Savior is going to come. There's a promise of the Savior coming. And in the meantime, because I love you, I'm going to set some constraints on your life. They're going to actually keep you in a place where you feel like, I can't achieve it. Now, a lot of, you know, the, a lot of people thought, oh, I am, I'm hitting it. And they've become self-righteous in that kind of way. The point wasn't to fulfill the law. That was the role of Jesus. He came to fulfill the law, and he did. Your, they lived under the law and then he came to set them free from having to live under it by fulfilling it wow. but to understand that that was that guardian for them to live in that place but i've heard people speak of the sermon of the mount even in a similar way oh no this is just jesus saying like super heavy crazy things that you'll never be able to do and it'll force you into the position to recognize that you need a savior So what this does it almost puts all of these things like pre-salvation for you but then when you become a christian you realize oh so thankful for the grace of god and the mercy of god and i don't actually have to do these things because jesus did them all he fulfilled it all for me i disagree with that perspective i absolutely believe that you can live in the way that jesus called you and commanded you to live in this one little passage like this is like two chapters of the book of Matthew there's so much more but I absolutely believe that you can live in that way that you can live without judging others without being anxious by laying up your treasures loving your enemies all of these kind of crazy principles not lusting all of this stuff like this is this is a promise from Jesus this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom and I'm going to pour out my spirit so you can actually do it you can be empowered to live in that way so, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you when Jesus speaks our commands, they're for today. The, the principles of the kingdom, the laws of the kingdom, are for today. They still exist today. And this is what Jesus is saying if you judge others, this is what we learn in a larger house. We shouldn't learn it from a larger house because it's in the Bible, but if you didn't learn it from your Bible, you may have learned it from one of the units in a larger house that if you judge people, that judgment will come back to you in greater measure. It's cl- clearly explained by jesus several times but we understand that law is still in play today so you can't say oh but jesus has paid the price for all of that he he's he's freed you from the bondage of sin but he hasn't freed you from obedience to his commands you're not free from obeying jesus i just want you to know you've sold yourself into slavery to God. You've been brought, bought, bought, by bought, brought. You've been brought before the Lord and bought with a price. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We're just saying, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's, it's, it's all contained. In this. like this, well, that's normal. It was very normal for Jesus to obey the Lord. It's what he did. Lordship is proven in obedience. So you say, well, this is, I don't, well, I think he's my lord. Do you obey him? Yes, then he's your lord. Do you live in disobedience? Yes, then he's not your lord. He is the lord. He's just not your lord. And as I said the other week, you don't, you can't be free from the lordship of Jesus. You're just free from the blessing of the lordship of Jesus. If you go into rebellion, he's still lord. Now you'll suffer the consequence of disobedience, which is hopefully the discipline of God, because he loves you enough to, to pursue you right to the edge of the cliff. Hopefully, you'll, you'll receive that. But there is consequences to disobedience, but he's still Lord. But what we do is we miss out on then the blessing that comes from the Lordship of Jesus. The blessing that comes from obedience to God. This again, is at the end of that little passage in Matthew 7, verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven i don't know i don't know so this obedience thing and really like his lordship do you have to obey not everyone who says to me lord lord okay so jesus is addressing himself as lord only the one who does the will of my father on that day many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name cast out demons in your name do many mighty works in your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we understand that obedience is, proves his lordship, but obedience is the fruit of intimacy. Because I, I can't obey if I don't hear, and I can't hear if I'm not listening. And listening, is that's part of intimacy. That's that part of the intimate connection with God is, is setting apart the time just to listen to him. And again, sometimes our prayer lives can be so filled with telling God what we need him to do. And he's interested in your desires, but he's I think he's far more interested in his own. He's not an egomaniac, but he is the I am, the ego Amy. He's actually the only one who is worthy enough to value himself more than anybody else. he's the only, I mean that's what we say, like he's he's worthy of our praise, we understand, and he is the only one who is actually worthy to receive that, and that doesn't make God go, yeah, well I'm, I'm like he's proud or up himself or something, it's like, no, no, it would be unrighteous for God to give that to anybody else, that would make him unrighteous and therefore unworthy to receive that praise. Obedience is the overflow of intimacy. And as I spoke about the other week on um, on fear and grace, but I think the version of grace and the picture of God that a lot of us have been taught in the more kind of recent generations has been incredibly detrimental to our expectation of obedience to Jesus. We can end up living in a greater awareness of His mercy than of His power. Now, I love His mercy, but I'm not supposed to just sit under His mercy. I'm supposed to walk in His power. So we, we absolutely receive. I'm so thankful Lord that you've saved me and I don't deserve anything from you. You are not entitled to anything from God. He owes you nothing. He owes you well he owes you something and it's death. That's what you that's what belongs to you apart from Christ. But he has given you everything, even his self he's given himself to you. So we are we are far, you know, at the other end of that spectrum. But we get this idea that like oh, just, I just get to live under grace and it's just all so good and oh God's is so kind and and says, this my buddy, he's my homeboy, he's all of these things. He's, well, he's not your homeboy. Um, you know the other thing is that the Lord does not work in mysterious ways. I just want to tell you that's not in the Bible. Anyway, don't tell me the Lord. uh, Don't tell me the Lord works in mysterious ways, and don't tell me where two or three are gathered. Oh, Jesus must be here now, because the last time I checked, He lives in me. And that verse has everything to do with conflict resolution, not to do with the presence of God being around. Because then it means He's not around when it's just me, and that's that's a bit sad. Because I feel like He is. Um, Anyway, I just use this time. I've got the microphone. (laughs) 1 corinthians 4 20 says for the kingdom of the kingdom realm of god comes with power not simply impressive words or the esv says for the kingdom of god does not consist in talk but in power power say power Power. all right second timothy 1 7 for god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power love and self-discipline that's that's in us hardwired into our nature now is power love self-discipline hallelujah second committee one second peter one three by his divine power god has given us everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. But Brad, I just don't feel like I can, I just don't feel like I have the power to live a godly life. Second Peter 1, three, by his divine power, it's God's power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. There is no lack on god's end there is no lack of resource he isn't you know turning the tap down letting a trickle come out he has given you everything you need for living a godly life if you know biblical greek anyone know greek yeah the word everything do you know what that means everything 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 not something not a part of a thing everything Is that true? Cool, then please do your best to believe it and walk in accordance with that. Yeah. I won't go there. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. This is the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority as the lord therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i'm with you always to the very end of the age this again is a huge point and i'm sure you've heard me say it many many times jesus did not call us to go and when we make disciples to teach them all of the commands of jesus to teach them everything about God but to teach them to obey everything I've commanded and I do think sometimes even in just in our kind of Western intellectual world we just love knowledge and all this sort of stuff we love learning and it's really good to learn but if you're learning and not obeying if you're educated beyond your obedience that's that's a definition of foolishness. If, if you know the answer to something and you don't live in accordance with that, that's like it, it kind of makes sense. So that's a bit dumb. Yeah. It's like, I know if I take this fork and stab it into my eye, it's really going to hurt and probably blind me. <clears throat> like, then you go and do it. It's like, what kind of a foolish person would do that? But that's, that's what we do when we hear God. It's like, I know, I know, I believe it, I get it, I understand. You know, sometimes you, you, you're talking to people and it's like, oh, what? the Bible says, I, well, I know that, I know that. But, it's like, then do it like, fig- and figure out why you can't do it. Because it's okay to say, I want to and I can't, but well, then there's a problem there and you can sort out that problem so that you can, so that your will can be activated to do. Right. But to know and to not obey, I, like uh, I have told people, it's like, close your Bible, go and do what you already know that he's told you to do and then come back again. So, first and greatest commandment love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have you done that? No. Well, start there. There's a reason why Jesus said it's the greatest commandment. Get that, nail that sucker, and I guarantee the next time you come, it'll be a breeze to go and obey. Because you are so in love with God, with every part of your being, like Jesus was, that you're like, yeah, Lord, whatever. I'm there, I'm done. Already done. You don't even have to tell me, Lord, I'm already there. Anyway, the Great Commission involves obedience to the commands of Jesus, not just knowledge of the commands of Jesus. There is no lordship without obedience. Hearing and obeying is coming into agreement with what God is saying. Without obedience, there is only acknowledgement of what is being said, but no agreement. And agreement is what brings about His will on earth. Agreement is actually the partnering in with what God is saying. I'm just like, I've got all these amazing prophetic words, and God is speaking to us, and He's saying all these wonderful things, but it's like, but what are we doing in response to that? It's not, a re- it's not a revelation to God when He prophesies over you. It's not for His benefit. It's for yours that you would hear and you would then obey. Every prophetic word that God has ever spoken, given through somebody else, there's, there's obedience in that word. And it might be obedience to faithfulness. It might be obedience to prayer or to just holding on to the promise even when the seasons aren't looking like that which again I encourage people that like if God gives you a prophetic word that's like a future word not speaking into what's happening now but a future word it's to hold on to because the season coming might not look like the fulfillment of that word like that's the promise that we hold on to because like well God said this is going to happen and who was that hey oh nice um (laughs) God gives a, a prophetic word. It's like this is the destination. But the reason that He speaks it is that so we can hold on to it until we get to that place. Otherwise, we might go here, there, and everywhere. It's like, no, no, He's, he's promised this thing. So I'm going to hold on to that thing even when my circumstance looks maybe even like the opposite of that thing. Agreement is incredibly powerful. In a cold share last week, you know, covenant. That's what it is. That's agreement. That's, con- that's connection and actually walking it out. That's, that's living as though it's true. That's what faith is. It's, faith is the assurance of the unseen. Faith is not, I hope it will happen. Faith is like, I know it's already happened. Like it's going to happen. If you've ever had that experience of like getting a gift of faith about something, it's like, I'm, I'm weirdly at peace about this thing because I just know it's going to happen. That's what faith looks like. There's no like, "Mm, oh, that'd be really nice. Hope hope so. It's like, no, no, it's it's happening. Because I'm assured, even though I don't see the manifestation of it, I know it's going to happen. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't offer us suggestions. He gives us commands and he expects us to obey them. Now, again, the, the commands of God are always invitation, not condemnation. You, you have a choice as to... He's, God's not going to punish you for not doing what He said. He he might not protect you from the consequence. That doesn't make Him bad. That makes Him good, because He's righteous. Yeah? yeah. And, and we can make a choice to say, thank you for the information, Lord. I know you're saying go that way, I'm just going to go this way for a bit. Like there's There's not often negotiation. He doesn't invite you to the negotiation table. He says, this is my way. This is my desire. This is what is best. And I recommend, I highly recommend you do it. Then he gives you freedom. He gives you a will, a decision-making center in yourself to choose, am I going to do that? He gives us commands and he, there's an expectation that we would obey them. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're hearing a teaching, you're, you're reading something in the Bible, and if the Bible says that what you're doing is sinful, don't wait for the Holy Spirit to convict you. Because that's the last step before He disciplines you. if God speaks to you or you read something in the scriptures or you listen to a teaching and you go like, wow, that's clearly what I'm doing is sinful, don't wait for the Holy Spirit to convict you of that sin because that is often the last step before He disciplines you. So we say, hmm, oh yeah, I just just don't have a witness in my spirit about it, you know. I I know I'm, I'm you know, sleeping with my girlfriend, but I just don't have a, I just have a witness in my spirit. Like, I just don't have, you know, just feel the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about that. Okay, but it's it's sin. Oh, yeah, I just don't feel like it's like, okay, you're welcome to keep going on that path and waiting for him to convict you. But if you miss the conviction because your conscience is seared, then the next step is gonna discipline you. Because he loves you and he doesn't want you to run off the cliff. But if you see it and it's like, wow, yep, that's um Cool. Invite Holy Spirit to reveal it, to challenge, to expose, to convict. Like ask Him to do that. David in the psalm: "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Reveal any wickedness within me." He's not saying, "Lord, here's all the wicked things in me. Can you help me deal with it?" Saying, "Search my heart and reveal to me any ways of wickedness because I'm not seeing them, but you see them." So I'm saying, "Please, Lord, come and reveal it to me before it's too late." God will hand you over to your sin. I don't like saying these things because I don't like hearing them. God will let you go. If you choose to go. I mean, I know there's probably only one or two people in history that have ever, you know, fallen from God or been following him one day and then doing their own thing the next. You you could probably name a few people. You you may have been one of those people. <laughs> it happens he gives us that freedom to choose, because he desires our love. He doesn't want just blind obedience to stuff, he's not after kind of religious robots. If you feel like, well I don't have a conviction about that yet, so? It's true if it's true, not if you think it's true, believe it's true, feel a conviction, feel compelled to deal with it. Like, the, the truth of God is objective, it's not subjective, it's not up to you as to whether or not it's true. It's like, yeah, well, Jesus clearly says that's sin and I'm doing it. Um, that's what it is, like, don't, don't wait for Him to have to, like, kick you in the groin or, you know. <laughs> I can only think of what's painful for men, so, <laughs> ladies, you figure out your own analogy there but essentially what we're saying in that is i don't feel bad enough about my sin to give it up right now i don't feel i don't just don't feel bad enough about it it's not disgusting enough for me to want to release it move on ladies come on sometimes we don't feel the weight of our sin because we have a seared conscience or our heart is shut down. If you don't feel bad about your sin, plead with God that he would awaken you to the impact before it's too late. We should be asking him, Lord, if there's, that's that prayer of David, like anything within me, show me, Lord. Because you could run your life straight into a war with the holy spirit dwelling inside of you if he's a passenger and you're in the driving seat you can you can drive straight into a wall but I'm but I'm, a, I'm a child of God and I have the holy spirit yeah but he's he's not the lord and you're not letting him drive like we're not we're not protected from the consequences of our actions just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You literally have every thought of God dwelling inside of you. I said this before, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You read that, it talks about the mind of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit who's, who knows all the thoughts of God. Literally the very Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And, and the fact that we can choose to walk in foolishness is just incredible. Because, I mean, we have, we have the, the Bible, amazing, but you've got way more than the Bible, You've got the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Every thought of God dwells in you by the Holy Spirit. We, we are without excuse. Amen? Say, I am without excuse. I am without excuse. Hallelujah. Now, when we, when we talk about sin, there are what we call sins of omission and sins of commission. So there are sins which we do kind of um, incidentally or accidentally or in out of ignorance and then there are sins that we do actively knowing that's the wrong thing to do when I choose to do it okay but I think when it comes to obedience there is also uh, you know omission and commission in the sense that there's active and passive obedience and there's active and passive disobedience so I can hear something from God and I can choose yes I'm going to do it or I can happen to walk in alignment with his obedience passively and I'm just doing the right thing and it kind of aligns with that but there is also I can actively disobey God I can say I know what you're saying I'm not going to do it I'm going to do my own thing Okay, actively but also passively if I'm not hearing from God which is my responsibility to hear it's God's responsibility to speak it's your responsibility to hear to listen Okay, He doesn't mumble like I do to my wife. He, he speaks very clearly. He's very articulate. He can speak in a language. He will speak in a language that you understand. It might be pictures, dreams, visions. You know, still small voice, that kind of way. Again, that's another one. The still small voice of God. That's, that's one Old Testament scriptural reference of how God spoke to somebody. Yeah. Rachel was just saying, this usually when there's chaos because he's calm." But I mean, he spoke like like a rum, rushing, rumbling wind that shook a house. Tongues of fire falling on people, getting like they're drunk. He can speak really, really loudly and really, really clearly. Anyway, <laughs> so what we don't want to do is to have this sense of where, well, I'm, I don't feel like I'm disobeying God because I haven't heard anything that I'm not doing but you are passively disobeying God because you haven't listened to what he's saying to give yourself an opportunity to obey what he's telling you to do. So the excuse, well, I don't hear from God, that's not an an excuse. That doesn't get you off the hook. Well, I I, I can't disobey if I don't listen. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's like, la, 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 la. don't hear you, Lord. just going about my day, trying to be a good person. That's, that's passive disobedience. Ooh, he loves when Brad preaches. Oh, That's good. I, like, I'm literally talking to me. So just, just if it makes you feel any better um, to, you know, you can put, no, don't judge me. No, I don't mind. It's judgment affects you, not me. So, judge away. Feel, you be free to judge. I, I'm not. I don't, I'm not condemned by my sin and my lack. Um, I'm loved in the midst of it. Um, but uh, but thankfully, God is is uh, faithful enough to 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 convict me of those errors. And He also brings faithful friends around you to speak truth to convict you of those errors. Because I guarantee you are blind in some area of your life. So what about the heart journey, this whole heart journey thing and obedience? What about my heart? Like where does that kind of tie in to obedience? Because what we, we don't want is to say, well, God says I'm just got to do it and strive and just push through and do all of that sort of stuff. It's like, no, no, your, your heart is important when it comes to obedience. So obedience and our belief systems, so our heart perspective can conflict with one another. And we don't want to simply obey out of striving or religious obligation. But we also don't want to simply just follow our own heart desire or or sense of need. Where there is a conflict in our heart to the commands of Jesus, our heart must yield. God doesn't yield to our heart's perspective. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm commanding you to do this. Oh, but Lord, I just don't feel it in my heart. Oh, okay, never mind. It was just a suggestion anyway like i'll i'll, I'll just I'll. i'm just really sorry for bothering you i didn't realize you're in such a place of need i'll just okay if i sit back on the throne here i'll just i'll just be over here I'll, let me know when when you're good and then then i can we can get back in this like lord and you kind of relationship you know so just you let me know don't call me i'll call you uh <laughs> no it's like oh i acknowledge to so yield yield your heart, deal with whatever it is that's blocking your ability to do that. If I'm listening and I'm hearing and it creates a conflict because God says it's time to do this, this is what I have for you and I say I don't want to do that, I don't feel like I can do that, I don't desire to do that, then our response is acknowledge those things, acknowledge the reality of your heart and then give them to God and say change my heart. I don't believe that you will do that, then help me with my unbelief. So the disciples said, Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. We get these things, but there's a whole lot of things that we just do not believe. There is unbelief in our heart, help us with the unbelief and God will help you with your unbelief. Whatever, if you are blocked and trapped in some way, and if you have, again, if there are areas where there are judgments, in a vows, if you're actually captive by God because of your sinful responses to life, then you take them before somebody and you have a facilitated encounter with Jesus. Yeah? A prayer ministry session. you sit down and say, I feel like God's telling me to do this thing, but I'm just, I'm so scared and I'm scared to a point that I can't do it or I don't believe this about him, or I'm just not sure that he's good or he's gonna come through, whatever it might be, and you bring that before other people. You say, can you help to deal with, what is that thing that's stopping me from obeying God? Because it means I'm not free. And I want to obey him because I love him. And I know that his way is the best way. That life is contained in that obedience to him. The commands of, of God will expose our heart but our heart must always come into alignment with his commands. That's our job. So, okay, well, I've recognized, Lord, you're saying this. I've got to take responsibility for my heart. God is quite diligent with his own heart, yeah? But he expects you to be diligent with yours. A healed heart positions me to hear clearly and respond freely to what is... To what God is desiring for me and from me. I'll say that again. A healed heart positions me to hear clearly and respond freely to what God is desiring for me and from me. So that's why, again, we're, we're diligent with dealing with our heart, dealing with anything that would block us from being able to obey. Uh, you know, I find sometimes people will use their personality as an excuse to not respond to God in a particular way. Now, I value that there are such things as personalities that we are wired certain ways. Not everyone is, you know, if you're an extrovert, it doesn't mean that you're loud than everyone else. It's just that you enjoy people more. You get fueled by people. You might be an introvert where you get fueled by alone time. All of those things are valid and good, and that's about self-management but to say, I can't lift my hands in worship because I'm an introvert. But what if the Lord says, lift your hands? Yeah, don't read the Psalms. <laughs> um, but what if God says to you, lift your hands? Oh, it's, it's not my personality, Lord. I don't, I don't care. I said, lift your hands. Like, if you, if you are paralyzed... Okay, I think that's okay. Unless he says, lift your hands and you get healed miraculously in that moment. But all I'm saying is like, that's my heart saying, for some reason, I can't obey you now. That's not freedom. Now, it doesn't mean that every time, well, because I'm free, you know, I'm just going to lift my hands and I'll dance and I'll sing and I'll do all of these things because I'm free. No, it just means you are able to obey what God wants from you. If he says, dance... They think, oh, it's just not in my, I'm an introvert, it's not in my personality to dance. But if God says dance, the best thing for you to do is to dance, and what it means is possibly you're excusing yourself from obeying because you think it's hardwired into your nature somehow, when the reality is, no, well, actually, I'm excusing myself, calling it personality type, but really it's just that I'm fearful of what other people think of me, will think of me. That's the problem. your personality or your nature it's it's sin in your heart like fear that's what fear is Just saying not fear of the lord because if you had fear of the lord you would dance even though you are fearful of what people will think of you you know what i mean there's like there's that greater fear i fear i fear man do you fear god more anyway So we have this thing of of acknowledging it's important that we acknowledge our heart in the midst of it because obedience will expose our heart in a healthy way. I'll hear and I'll go, "I I know, I can't do that. Well that's really scary, Lord, what you're calling me to. Now we get to do the heart journey thing. And you get to expose and reveal and heal and restore, and I get to repent and all of that sort of stuff. So now oh cool. Now I can freely give. I can freely go. So obedience without heart engagement isn't love. And a disciple is one who obeys out of love. We must obey from love, not for love. Which oftentimes we do. Then we can perform before God. I did all of this, I did all of this. This is what he's saying in that, at the end of Matthew 7. But Lord, Lord, we cast our demons in your name. We did all these things. Oh, yeah, But I never knew you. You don't love me. You just heard what this is. What Christians do. So I went out and did all of these things. But I don't. I don't know you. His, his desire is intimacy, is to know you, to for you to love and be in love with him. Then out of that place, you would go and obey. I've heard it said: if you follow, if you obey the first and greatest commandment, you will naturally, as overflow, obey every other commandment with ease that's why it's number one jesus is our example of obedience he was led by the voice of god not his own emotions if he was he would never have gone to the cross we know in the garden of gethsemane jesus i get the feeling he didn't want to be tortured and crucified the fact that he was asking the father if there is another way is there a way that we can do this whole salvation of every you know of all people's um, thing without me having to go through that just checking lord if there's a plan b here some other way to get around this but not my will be done your will be done that's the heart of a lover he didn't he so do you understand like that's our that's our example of obedience is when it says hey jesus was acknowledging his heart he was acknowledging, i don't i don't want to do this i don't want to go through this but i'm not living for my will i'm living for you i'm yielded to this i'm yielded to you uh we uh when i say we lisa started homeschooling our kids last year we got through a year we're on to year number 2 <clears throat> um, and uh, and the philosophy that uh lisa goes by is it's called uh, the charlotte mason philosophy of teaching so this is a lady who lived in like the 1800s but really beautiful amazing stuff uh so christian Kind of base, but uh, really, really beautiful, fruitful stuff, even for discipleship. I find sometimes even in those contexts, it's like, wow, that's such, a, such great keys for our relationship with God. Uh, and I could, I could tell you a lot of things about it, um, just that I've learned from, from Lisa, but uh, I really like it. But one of the mottos uh, of the teaching, and we have this, um, this above the blackboard in the kids in their classroom at our, in our house uh, is, "I am, I can." I ought and I will. And I just really love that for when it comes to obedience to God. So four statements, I am, I can, I ought and I will. And I like it because it starts with I am. It starts with identity. It starts with the acknowledgement of self. It doesn't start with I must or I should and therefore I will and hopefully my heart will follow along. It says, no, this is actually who I am. So if we take righteousness living in righteousness walking in righteousness well it would say with i am so i am righteous in christ because of the finished work of jesus i have been made righteous in god i am righteous i can well i can behave righteously in my life i ought i ought to be righteous in my behavior because jesus was and i will So I will choose to walk, therefore, in righteousness. So, but I am, I can, I ought, I will could be called identity, ability, duty, and activity. I am righteous in Christ. That's my identity. As a new creation, that's who I am. So it actually makes most sense for me to walk in righteousness. It makes most sense for you to walk in righteousness. It can feel sometimes like it's the opposite of who you are, but it's actually the most accurate uh, reality of who you are is righteousness. So my identity is righteous. I can behave righteously. I have the ability. It says in the scripture that we read out before, everything has been given to me in order that I can live a godly life. So there is no lack in God's power, in God's ability, in God's intent for me to live righteously. And I ought to live righteously. It's my duty to do that because that's who Jesus was. It's the most right thing objectively. Even if I don't feel it, that's the right thing for me to do. And I will. So my activity will come into alignment with my identity. But there's a choice in that. So so well I know I'm righteous, but you know so then I have to walk in alignment with that, otherwise I'm foolish. It's very silent here. Everyone everyone awake? Cool. That's good. So how do we discover the commands of God for our life? It's very simple. You listen, and then you obey. (laughs) But how do we listen? Well, you need to position yourself to listen, which means you need to give time and space to be a good listener. Don't expect him to yell and scream in your ear because he is worth far more than that. It doesn't honor the Lord when we just say, well, I'm just going to keep running, and you scream louder and louder until... I hear your voice. So we can do that. We can read the Bible, just listen to Holy Spirit. But when we hear him say something, and it might be something about who we are, agreement is obedience. Say, Lord, you call me righteous. I feel so unrighteous, Lord. I just feel like I keep messing up in so many ways. But Lord, I choose to come into agreement with who you call me to be. And I choose, Lord, to to walk because I know that you give me every ability to do that. So I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make a decision. We're going to partner together because you are moving in that direction. And I'm choosing to partner with you in that. You know, the Bible gives us what I would call static commands. So they're commands for everyone, everywhere, for all of time. So you read in the Bible and it'll it'll say something. So again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So that was Jesus speaking to a particular audience at a particular time in history. And what we don't want to do is say, well that was for them, but you know, nowadays it's just, I'm going to love him with a little bit of my heart and maybe some of my time and you know, a quarter of my strength or whatever. It's like, no, no, that's, that one is for all people. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, that's, me and you because you are a disciple when you become a disciple then you follow the things that Jesus commanded his disciples to do yeah now you will find there are some commands in the scriptures that are particular to a you know a a place like you you know the Holy Spirit's telling Paul to go to you know to Corinth does mean he's saying for you to get up pack your bags and head over to Corinth unless he is telling you to pack your bags and head over to Corinth um you won't find it but uh you know it's it's just called something different but um but you know what i mean you could get the holy spirit could say well i think that's that's a reference there in that time but he's speaking to me as well but i'm saying there are some which there's no um yep yeah. and so you've got these static commands and this the active commands of holy spirit that are spoken to you every day all throughout the day when he's talking to us and he's saying hey do this and go here and don't do that and believe this and all of that sort of stuff yeah. So here are just some of the commands of Jesus in the Bible. So we've got repent, Matthew 4.17, repent for the kingdom of heaven at hand, is at hand. Uh, Matthew 4.19 about following Jesus, letting your light shine, being reconciled to one another and to God, Uh, not lusting, not making oaths, not resisting evil with evil, repaying evil with evil, um, loving and praying for your enemies. Being perfect in love, seeking God's kingdom first, not judging, not giving what is holy to dogs. You know, the whole uh, pearl before swine. Uh, Treating people as you want to be treated. Entering heaven through the narrow gate. Beware of false prophets. Follow Jesus. Ask God to send out workers. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Come to Jesus for rest. Confront brothers in private first. Matthew 18. Forgive 70 times 7. 7 times 70. Works out the same. Uh, Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. Jesus tells you to pay your taxes. Damn. Loving God, loving your neighbor, sharing communion, guarding against sin, making disciples, preaching the gospel, being on guard against greed, inviting the poor, loving one another, etc., etc., etc. So these are things like if you're even thinking, I just don't know. You might be going, I don't even really feel like I obey ever. Find something and practice obedience through that read something just go look in that from matthew 5 to matthew to the end of matthew 7 and just pick one of those things And i'm just going to do this for a week i'm going to put into practice what i've learned disciple making movements that radically multiply across the nations are ones that start with the simplicity of hearing and obeying there are movements in, in persecuted countries. You will never. There's no big showy kind of thing. They can't gather together because they'll get killed. Um, but they, they just, like two or three people get together and they read the Bible and they do what it says. And they come back again and they read the Bible and they do what it says and they go and make disciples. And these movements just exponentially increase. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people getting impacted. I've heard stories of people meeting with leaders in China and, and, uh, and they're, you know, leaders of churches and, you know, getting together in a, like a hotel room somewhere and talking about what's happening in their movement. It's like, oh, okay, so, um, oh, you're, you're a pastor, of, you know, of a church. How, oh, I've got a few churches. We oh, how many churches do you oversee? 2,000. What about you, 7,000 people? I know there's a church planting network um, in the Middle East somewhere or maybe in India, but you can't get into that network until you've planted 2,000 churches. That's like entry level to actually prove that you're serious about planting churches. And again, they're not our version. They're not our version of church. There's no band and musos and all that sort of stuff. They're way better. You know why? Because they're people who love Jesus and do what he says. And that's one thing that has, I think is getting robbed from the modern church. If you're not hearing from Jesus, as I said before, that's the first part that we need to figure out. And you might be hearing, not hearing because there's a, a blockage of some sort. Um, you might not be hearing because you're just simply not listening. You're not setting apart the time to listen to Him. Don't read your Bible without the expectation of obedience. If you hear or read a command from Jesus and your response is, not, is to not obey, then invite Holy Spirit to search your heart and deal with the conflict. Don't ignore or deny the conflict. As I said before, freedom exists in obedience to God and the Father delights in your obedience to Him. Out of a, out of a heart that desires to do that because you love Him. Obedience is the reward of love. Love is never the reward of obedience. God's not going to love you more if you do more stuff for Him. Like, He has has an infinite, unmeasurable amount of love for you. So, anything that you do, like, I mean, He delights, but that doesn't mean He loves you anymore. He delights. But He delights because you are delighting in Him. Again, it's not like He delights. It's, you can delight because it stirs up delight in you, but sometimes, it's like with your kids, it's like you delight in them having fun because they're delighted. So when the Lord delights in you following His commands, it's because He's delighting in the fruit and the blessing that's coming to your life. What you're receiving in that, what you're seeing in that. I'm going to pray for you. But I just want to ask you, do you feel like Jesus has spoken to you today? Don't obey Brad Joss. Please don't. If this is just, if you just feel like this is all rubbish and nonsense and that's not how you interpret those scriptures, then cool beans. Um, yeah, like you don't, it doesn't really bother me any either way. I mean it does because I care about you but it's like it's don't don't feel like I've got to go and do all of this stuff if there's if striving is getting stirred up in you take that before the Lord first if you're fearful of of what's he going to do to me if I don't obey take that before the Lord this is all this is all the love journey with the Father because he desires for you to hear and he desires for you to obey because obedience is the best possible thing for your life it's not so he can get lots of stuff done he's got a multitude of angels that are his ministers that do his work like he is not he is not short on power and ability to accomplish things he's not like well i these people i'm so frustrated they're not doing what i'm telling them to do we're not getting any work done It's not his desire. His desire is that you would hear from him and you would experience his love and you would know who he is and you would live in accordance with that because that's what a loving father does. So if you feel like you've heard from Jesus today, my question is, what are you going to do in response to that? Don't just delight in the fact that you've heard from him. I had a moment this week I was just delighting in the fact that I heard from him. And that's a good motivation to keep listening, but I don't want to sit there and stay there. I heard from God this week. Awesome. But am I going to do what he's said? (laughs) Or am I going to keep pursuing that? Yeah? All right, I want you to stand with me. Father God, we thank you for your abundant love, that you love us so deeply, Lord. And Lord, we know that the Bible says that you discipline those that you love, that you convict us of sin. But Father, they are safeguards for when we are walking off but Lord, we don't want to be a people that keep banging into the guardrails, Lord. We want to be a people that hear and know and see what it is to run in the middle of the road. We're so thankful, Lord, that you would put in those safety measures, Father, so that we don't go you know, flying off the cliff. But that's no way to live bouncing from guardrail to guardrail. So Father, I pray for a grace for us to hear. Lord, that if we are busy people, not in our actions, but in our internal world, if busyness has consumed us, Lord, for those who struggle, not just to hear, but to listen and be still, We thank you for that scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So we just speak stillness over every heart, over every internal environment, Lord. I just command a calming to the winds of chaos. I just speak calm to the winds of chaos in your heart right now. I command those winds to stop blowing to stop swirling thank you holy spirit we just thank you that you have authority over chaos lord that you've come to bring order where there is chaos so we just say yes holy spirit we come into agreement with your peace right now we say yes lord i come into agreement with your peace i come into agreement with your peace holy spirit we say give us ears to hear just pray give me eyes to see jesus give me ears to hear jesus and give me a desire to obey jesus father for any blockage we just pray you would reveal lord any blockage god any belief system that would uh, dull our ears to hearing or blind our eyes to seeing We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would search our hearts and reveal any areas of blockage in us, Lord. And anything that right now we can take hold of and repent of, we just pray, Holy Spirit, show us, Lord. And we're so thankful that you're so merciful and kind that you would show us, Lord. You're so merciful and kind. But Lord, we don't just want to live under that mercy and kindness, Father. We want to take the fruit that comes from that as you speak to us and say yes Lord I'm going to obey because that's the best thing for me every area of unbelief we pray you expose Holy Spirit we want to follow you God we want to go where you're going and do what you're doing and hear what you're saying Lord not just for out there but for in here Lord we don't just want to read something in the Bible about who you call us to be and never hear you say it to us, Lord. Oh, there's such a power when you speak it to us, Lord. When we don't just read in the Bible that we're loved by you, but when you speak it over us and say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I cherish you. You're so valuable to me. And Father, we pray for a grace to cost ourselves in order to position ourselves to hear from you lord we thank you for your grace lord your power that enables us to hear and obey we want you to be lord jesus and we just declare right now be lord of my life jesus be lord of my life i choose to repent For every air of my heart that is not under your Lordship. For every air of my thought life that is not under your Lordship. For everything that I put my hands to that is not under your Lordship. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. And Father God, we repent for any way that we've shut out the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Father, where our conscience has been seared, where our heart has been dulled to your voice. Father, we choose to break every agreement with sin in our life. Every agreement with dullness. Every agreement with blindness. We command a breaking by the power of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus name as your word says let him who has ears to hear hear let him who has eyes to see see and we say yes Lord give us ears to hear and eyes to see Lord where we have been blind renew our sight where we've been deaf renew our hearing thank you Jesus Amen.